Have you been searching for a word from the Lord? You want to feel his presence. You want to feel his love. Well, look no further, cause no matter who you are, you're all welcome here at Rising He's a friend that will never leave you nor forsake you. Hallelujah. He'll be a friend to the end. If you're not standing, go ahead and stand. Let's give it up for the men chorus. Amen. They are doing a fantastic job. Amen. Amen. Old people say they're just getting gooder and gooder. Amen. <laughs> Amen. We praise God for them. Uh, we want to put our text up. We got a lot of territory to cover. I'm going to speak quickly, but you can listen slowly or listen slowly. All right. Galatians, the second chapter, verses 11 through 16 for our message on today. Reading from the NIV. Let's go ahead and uh, let's read that together. When Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles, because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy, so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas in front of them all, you are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew? How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? We who are Jews by birth and not sinful or Gentiles know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus, that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. Amen. We want to use for a subject if you see something, say something. If you see something, say something. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Father God, we come to you right now in the name of Jesus. God, we just pray that you would just come and be in our midst, oh dear God, that you would just speak to our hearts, speak in your manservants, oh dear God, and speak through your manservant, oh dear God, that your people might be able to hear your word on today, oh dear God, that you might give us the boldness and courage that we need, oh dear God, to be your witnesses in this dark and evil time in which we live, oh dear God. 
we pray with it, God, that you will unite Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics, those who are red, yellow, black, brown, and white, oh dear God, that we'll be one in you, oh dear God, walking in unison. God, we pray that you'll have your way in our midst, oh dear God. If there's someone unsaved, we pray that they will come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ before it's everlasting too late. And Lord, we pray that the saints will be built up and edified through your word. And Lord, we pray that you may be glorified in all that we say and do. For this we pray in the marvelous, matchless, majestic name of Jesus, our Messiah. And all the people of God said, Amen. Amen. Five three persons. so much if you see something say something most of us have never heard of that phrase until 9-11 amen we heard that phrase from 9-11 going forward if you see something say something if you travel frequently via the airlines amen you hear that phrase repeated often amen as you go from one gate to the other gate from one flight to the next flight from one destination to the next destination they're constantly saying if you see something say something in fact they have a campaign which says if you see something say something because what they're trying to do is educate the public amen year-round to make sure that if you see some suspicious activity they want you to report it right away they have designated September the 25th as, if you see something, say something, Awareness Day, also known as See, Say, Day. If you see something, say something is more than a slogan. If you see something, they are saying you need to speak up and let somebody know. If you see something, they want you to speak up because when you speak up, not only you're protecting yourself, but you're protecting others as well. You're protecting your loved ones. You're protecting your communities. You play a vital role by recognizing and reporting suspicious activities. Likewise, racism, which is a really a form of terrorism in America and all over the world, is a problem. And we need to speak up and say something. When we see stuff that's not right, we need to say something. Listen to me. A lot of Christians, from what I can see, suffer from what I call the lockjaw syndrome. Let me repeat what I just said. I said a lot of Christians, from what I can see, we suffer from the lockjaw syndrome. In other words, we see stuff that's not right, but for whatever reason, we are not willing to say something. And I'm trying to say to you today, based on this passage, if you see something, you need to say something. Because you have the right, amen, as a believer to say something. Amen. You have a right when you see stuff that's wrong. It's your job. It's your responsibility to say something. How do you know the word? will not get better amen if we just remain silent the world will not get better if we don't do anything to make the world better amen the world just not gonna get better all on its own somebody gotta see something then somebody gotta say something and somebody gotta do something in order for the world to get better we didn't come out of slavery because people woke up one day and said you know what i think it's bad slavery is a bad thing you know what and i think we need to do something about it i think we need to change the law i think we need to set people free no it was because people said something because people did something amen that brought 
brought about a change. It was the abolitionist movement that brought about a change that woke up the conscience of the nation, amen, to make people realize this is wrong. We are treating people inhumane. This is not the way God created people to live and to get along. So somebody saw something, somebody said something, somebody did something. Same thing with civil rights. People just didn't wake up one morning and say, you know, color fountains are wrong, white fountains only are wrong. Somebody said something, somebody did something. Rosa Parks said, I'm not giving up my seat. Somebody said something, somebody did something. Martin Luther King led a bark out, amen, for 381 days in Montgomery, Alabama. Somebody said something, somebody did something. They had sit-ins and they had freedom rides, amen, to ride all throughout the South. Somebody said something, somebody did something. They protest, they march, and they put their bodies on the line and they were beaten and thrown in jail and many of them killed and stuff. Why? Because somebody saw something, somebody said something, somebody did something, amen. So if we want the world to change, we got to get off our blessed assurance and we got to speak up and say something and not only say something when we see something, we got to do something. Come on, somebody. We got to do something to make a difference. The Bible says faith without works is dead. Amen. Anybody can talk a good game, but can you get off the sidelines and get in the game and make a difference with your life? That's what the world needs today. Amen. People who are willing to get involved. Watch this. God has called us to be salt and light. In other words, when you find darkness because you're the light, you're supposed to turn on your light. You're supposed to turn on your testimony. You're supposed to open your mouth. You're supposed to turn on the light. Wherever you find darkness, wherever you find evil, wherever you find something wrong, God expects for you to fix things. Come on, somebody. Because when you show up, you represent the kingdom of God. You are a kingdom citizen. You operate with kingdom authority. You have the presence and power of the Holy Spirit in you. God expects for you to be a world changer. So where Wherever you go, the atmosphere is supposed to shift because you showed up, because I brought the presence of God with me, because I brought the authority of God with me. I represent the kingdom of God. I represent the king of kings and the Lord of lords, and I have been authorized. I don't need your permission. Come on, somebody. I've been authorized by the God of heaven that wherever I show up, it's supposed to shift. Things supposed to get better. I'm not going to close my mouth because God has authorized me to speak, and I got a message, and I'm going to open my mouth, and I'm going to claim what does say the Lord will you like it or not. Uh, so, so he said that we are the life of the world and we are the salt of the earth. And the purpose of salt is to change the flavor. Amen. It's to give flavor to the food. Amen. You know how you eat something and it's real bland, maybe some popcorn or something, and you put a little butter on it to give it some flavor, but you also need to sprinkle just a little salt on it to give it some flavor. And God said, in order to give the world some flavor, I have Christians. And I'll sprinkle you all over the place. And i put you in corporate America. And i put you in the school system. i put you in politics. i put you in sports. i put you in the government. Because you're supposed to change some stuff. You're supposed to add some flavor. And not only that, salt keeps stuff from becoming rotten. Because without salt, stuff will start stinking. And it, okay. Back in the day, we used to kill hogs. And when we killed hogs, you would take the meat and you would salt the meat down. And then you would hang the meat in the smokehouse and then get some hickory wood and then you would smoke the meat. Watch this. If you hung the meat up in the smokehouse without putting salt on it first, it would become rotten. And I'm saying that's a whole lot of rotten stuff going on in the world. That's a whole lot of stinking stuff going on in the world because too many Christians, you refuse to get involved. But when you get involved, you keep things from becoming rotten. You keep things from smelling bad. You add flavor. Amen. Because you are there. So watch this. Proverbs 31, 89. 
because I have some Christian friends that think that we should never say anything about things that we see. Just get up and just preach the Bible. Well, if you preach the Bible, you got to preach about everything. Let me just tell you, the Bible talks about every single issue that you can possibly think of, and you got to make sure that you have what I call a biblical worldview based on the totality of Scripture, based upon Genesis to Revelation. Are you with me? God has something to say about everything. Amen. Watch this. Watch this. And if you're wrong, you're wrong. I don't care if it's your mama. I don't care if it's your daddy, your sister or your brother, or even your children. Watch this. I, watch this. I have watched Christians down through the years. They say they believe in God. They say they believe that the word is the word of God. The Bible is the word of God. All of a sudden, they have a close friend or a family member that start believing something or practicing something contrary to the word of God. And what they do, they change the whole theology to accommodate family members and friends. Well, you can go to hell if you want to. Come on, somebody. You can go to hell with your family members or your cousin or your friend. But I'm sticking with the book because upon this walk, he said, I build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail again. The grass gonna wither and the flowers gonna fade, but the word of God stands forever. Before one jot or tittle will be removed, amen. Heaven and earth shall pass away. I'm sticking with the book. It has stood the test of time. And when you stand before God, He's not gonna ask you what the news people, newspaper said. He's not gonna ask you what Fox News said. He's not gonna ask you about CNN. Come on, somebody. He's not gonna ask you about your psychology book and your philosophy book and your science book. But the Bible's gonna be open. And he's gonna judge you according to the power. If you didn't live according to the power, you won't make the cut. Watch this. Proverbs 31, 89 says this. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Some people don't even know that's in the Bible. Listen, because if Christians knew this verse was in the Bible, they would not be walking around with locked jaw syndrome. I am, listen, I am highly offended and disturbed by these Christians who are always silent. You ain't got nothing to say about anything because you don't want to ruffle nobody's feather. It's because you don't have no backbone and no conviction about anything. We need some more Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's. We need some more Daniels. People say, for God I live and for God I die. And stop being these wishy-washy, spineless Christians. Watch this. The problem is we got Christians who are thermometers and not thermostats. You know any Christians like that? They're like chameleons. They, they change and adapt depending on who they with at the time. They're like politicians who practice not politics but politics. Come on, somebody. In other words, when, when, when I'm with this crowd, this is my message, and this is how I act. And then when I get with another group of people, I got a different message, and I act a different kind of way. Those are spineless people, people without backbones, and people without conviction. Watch this, and they like character and integrity, and you can't trust them. They will flip on you in a minute. They will sell you out in a Holy Ghost sack. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. For the rights of all those who are destitute. Then verse 9. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and the needy. Let me read that verse again. Proverbs 31, 89. We talk about the virtuous woman, but it's in the book as well. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Watch this. If you are a leader, if you are a person of influence, God did not put you in a high place 
just so you can be a pretty face. God puts you in a high place and God gives you a platform and God gives you a voice not just for yourself. God gives you a voice for the underdog, for those who cannot speak for themselves, do not have the privilege that you have, the power that you have, the possession that you have, so you can reach back and grab somebody. God deliver me from these people who think they made it by themselves and they forget about everybody else and got their audacity to look down their nose on other people who are not at their level. You are sick, but God promoted you. God put you in a high place. God bless you. God gave you a platform. God gave you a voice so you can reach back and grab somebody else and bring them with you and say the same God that brought me this far is the same God that'll deliver you. The same God that blessed me, he will bless you. The same God that brought me out, he'll brought me, bring you out. He'll make a way out of nowhere. Okay, I'm preaching way too hard for the introduction. <laughs> I'm tired already. Come on. All right. All right. As we come to our text. <laughs> okay. Calm down, Amos. Calm down. All right. As we come to our text, you have to read really Acts 10, 11, and 15 to understand what's really going on in our text today. But the church is in transition. And we see God bringing Jews and Gentiles together. And how many of you know when you bring opposing people together, different races, different ethnicities, different backgrounds, different denominations, different socioeconomic statuses, different genders together, how many of you know that creates friction? And we experience what I call growing pains. So first of all, we see the confrontation. The confrontation in verses 11 and 12. So we see the courage of Paul. How I many know it takes courage to confront a situation? Because what we usually do, we keep sweeping stuff under the rug, and we go from a molehill to a mountain. And you can't even walk in the house no more because so much stuff under the rug. Anybody remember having rugs back in the day? You had a wooden floor. You didn't have tile. You didn't have carpet. But you had these little rugs that you would buy, cheap rugs, and you roll out over the floor and get some little tacks and tack them down to the floor. And at the corner of the rug, amen, sometimes it'll come up and you be sweeping at a dustpan and a broom. And you got a little that you can't really get in the dustpan. You just pull it up. <laughs> and <laughs> some of y'all too old for that. Uh, older people interpret it for the young people. All right, now watch this. So we see the carriage of Paul. Watch, this, watch what it said. When Peter came to Antioch, Antioch, excuse me, I opposed him. Or when Paul came to Antioch, okay, talking about the courage of Paul. But when Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face. That is Paul, because he was clearly in the wrong. Now, when we talk about Antioch, we talk about Antioch in Syria, okay, was the major trade center in the ancient world. It was heavily populated by Greeks, Gentiles. It eventually became a strong Christian center. Watch this. In Antioch, the believers were first called Christians, okay? Antioch in Syria became the headquarters for the Gentile church and was Paul's base of operation. So Antioch is a very important strategic location because it's the headquarters of the Gentile church. Are you with me? Just like Jerusalem became the headquarters, amen, and the empire, so to speak, or the center for Christianity in, for amongst the Jews, Antioch became the center and the headquarters and the focal point and the base of operation for the Gentiles. So that's the place. Now here's the problem. After the earlier meeting in Jerusalem, Verses 1 through 10, Paul said he went up to Jerusalem along with Titus as well as Barnabas, and he met with Peter, 
James, the brother of Jesus, and John, okay? So they iron out the gospel message that Gentiles do not have to act like Jews in order to become Christian. So they ironed that out, okay? Paul went up there and made sure that he was preaching the same gospel that Peter was preaching, the same gospel that John was preaching, okay? So the behavior of Peter and Antioch was contradictory, okay, and contrary to what Peter knew. Peter knew better, in other words, and he was acting in a way that was contrary to his theology. And he was being very hypocritical with his conduct. Giving Peter, watch this, immense influence because he was a leader. Remember Jesus said, thy art Peter, and upon this rock I build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Then he said, whatever you bind on earth, I'm going to bind in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth, I'm going to loose in heaven. So <clears throat> literally, he gave Peter the key to the kingdom. On the day of Pentecost, Peter preached the gospel. And when Peter preached the gospel, the Bible says some 2,000 souls were saved. Peter had the key. He let the Jews in. Once the Samaritan heard the gospel, Philip preached the, the gospel to the uh, Samaritans in chapter 8. Watch this. The Bible said that they did not receive the Holy Spirit until John and Peter showed up because Peter had the key and he opened the door and let the Samaritans in. Are you with me? Same thing in chapter 10 of the book of Acts. Cornelius and his household, the Gentiles, they did not get saved until Peter went and preached the gospel and Peter had the key to let them in. Watch this. Paul is saying, you got that kind of authority, and you got good theology, but you acting up. And what you're doing, Peter, is not right. And it's my job as an apostle just like you to call you out. Paul had little choice but to call him out because Peter was acting like a hypocrite. He was act, not acting consistent with his theology. So that's the place. We see the problem. Okay, we see the problem. Now let's move on to the coward see of Peter. Okay, I already talked about the problem. So come on. Watch this. The cowardcy, the cowardcy of Peter. In other words, listen, <clears throat> Peter was smart. Peter had been with Jesus three years plus. Peter was the leader of the disciples. Watch this. It's like three different lists in the Bible of the apostles. And every time you read the list of the apostles, Peter is at the top of the list. Why? Because Peter is the leader. He changed his name into from Simon to Cephas, which means a rock, or Peter, which is the Greek translation. Are you with me? So Jesus said, Peter, you're going to be the leader. I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. Not only that, when it was time for Jesus to be transfigured and Moses and Elijah showed up, he took Peter, James, and John. When Jairus' daughter died, guess who Jesus took with him? Peter, James, and John. When Jesus said, I need to go aside and pray, Rest of you disciples, stay here. Who did he take with him? Peter, James, and John. Peter is always the leader. Even amongst the inner circle, Peter is always the leader. With, with all that authority, with all that training, with all that power, Peter punked out. That's the homeboy edition. What's it? First of all, we see his freedom in Christ, which is a grace thing. Notice what it says. Before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. Peter knew because God had showed him a vision that all foods are clean now and don't call unholy what God has made holy. Or don't call unclean what God has cleansed. Okay? Now, God was not trying to teach Peter that you need to change your diet. God was trying to teach Peter that all people are not acceptable because I died on the cross of them. And he said, other sheep I have which are not of this fold. So he said, I died for the Jews as well as the Gentiles, okay? So salvation is a grace thing. We have freedom in Christ. 
And we don't have to embrace somebody else's culture in order to be accepted by Christ. So if you are a Gentile, you don't have to become a Jew and practice Judaism in order to be a Christian. Are you with me? Because we have freedom in Christ because it's a grace thing. Don't let people lead you to Christ and then let them try to micromanage your Christian experience. I'm going to help you with that. Because when you allow other people to put external rules and regulations on you, that's not really a church. That's a cult. And because once you are saved, you got freedom. Are you with them? Now, certain things are black and white in the Bible. But there's a whole lot of gray in there where you have the freedom to do what you need to do. Here, let me give you an example. Watch this. So say you used to be really addicted to coffee. And you got a nervous fit and you can't function without it, whatever the case may be. You get the tremors and all this and withdrawal symptoms and mean and grouch or whatever the case may be. And then God delivers you from caffeine coffee. Are you with me? <clears throat> now, once he delivers you from caffeine coffee, now you're on a crusade. And now you're trying to send everybody else to hell that's still drinking coffee. No, coffee ain't a problem for me. Coffee was a problem for you. God told you to give up coffee. He didn't tell me to give up coffee. God told you to give up your TV. He didn't tell me to give up my TV. God told you to take off your makeup. He didn't tell me to take off my makeup. God told you not to get a body piercing. He didn't tell me not to get a body piercing. God told you not to get a tattoo. He didn't tell me not to get a tattoo. Are you with me? So stop trying to push your agenda on somebody else. Now, now, let me give you an example. Now, last week I said that I grew up and I got hand-me-downs from my brother and from my cousin named Billy. My cousin named Billy used to really dress nice. And I was looking forward to getting his clothes. Watch this. <laughs> yeah. Come on back. Now, watch this. But I remember having to put patches on my clothes. Anybody remember those days? I know some of y'all never had to do that. But uh, but I, I, I remember having to take my own lunch and the, and the bag be greasy and I'd be embarrassed. Anybody remember that? I was so glad to get free lunch. I really didn't qualify for free lunch, but I filled out the application for my parents. I was trying to help them. <laughs> I didn't lie. I was just creative with the truth. Come on back. Now watch this. So watch this. So, so I, I remember having the iron on patches and things like this. Anybody remember that? So what I'm saying, I grew up with this concept that I would never be poor. Come on, somebody. I'm not going to have no outhouse. Come on, somebody. I'm going to have my own house. I, I had this in my mind. So, so when the style came out with jeans with holes in them, I'm not saying it's a sin for you to buy them or you going to hell if you get them. I'm just saying I have a conviction I don't wear nothing with holes in them. Watch this. Come past appreciation. Don't buy me no jeans with the holes in them and give them to me because I'm going to give them back to you. Watch this. Watch this. But that's my conviction. If you want to buy jeans with holes in them and faded and all that, knock yourself out. Spend $100 for them, but not me. But again, though, you can't impose your convictions on somebody else. All right, let me get back to my sermon here real quick. I'm going to let y'all go here in a minute. All right, so we got freedom in Christ. It's a grace thing, okay? So before the Jews showed up, Peter was eating with them. He was fellowshipping with them. Man, he was giving them high fives and stuff. But, but his prejudice, he had to overcome his prejudice. And God said, if you're going to be a kingdom citizen, Peter, and you're going to have to learn how to welcome everybody into the kingdom. 
And there are some churches, they don't welcome everybody. Now, watch this. Rise and Stars, a church where everyone is welcome. You can, watch this, watch this before you clap. Let me finish. Rise and Stars, a church where everyone is welcome. And the tagline is, you can come as you are, but you can't stay as you are. Notice, that does not mean that when you come as you are, that we're going to try to change you from the outside. I'm saying you can come as you are, but if you sit under this word, you can't stay like you are. If you sit here and worship and praise God and fellowship with other Christians and you're praying and reading your Bible, you're not going to stay the same. Slowly, you're going to be transformed. So we're not going to try to externally micromanage your Christian experience. But what I'm saying is that God will start working on you from the inside out and you'll find yourself changing. Has anybody changed lately? Because of the word, because of your worship, because of your encounter with the spirit of God, you should be changed. The Bible said we're changed from glory to glory to glory. Amen. So Peter had his prejudice. He had to overcome. That's why God showed him that vision of these animals being let down from heaven. And he told him that you needed, I got some visitors coming to meet you. And these visitors coming to meet you, they're going to take you to Cornelius, who's a Gentile. And when you get to Cornelius' house, I want you to preach the same gospel that you preached the day of Pentecost. And watch this. And while Peter was preaching the gospel to these Gentiles, the Bible said that they started speaking in tongues too. Watch this. God gave physical, verbal, external evidence because racism and they were so prejudiced as Jews that they thought that because they were privileged, could nobody else be saved and have access to the kingdom of God. And God said, I'm going to let everybody know that the Gentiles have been accepted just like the Jews. And just like y'all spoke in tongues on the day of Pentecost, when y'all heard the gospel and the spirit of God fell, guess what? I'm going to give the same sign, the same evidence to these Gentiles so nobody can deny the fact that these Gentiles have heard the gospel. They have been saved. They've been filled with the Holy Spirit. And they're speaking in tongues just like the Jews. At the foot of the cross, everybody's at the same level. With red, yellow, brown, black, or white, we're all at the same level male or female good looking or not so good looking got money broke as a joke come on somebody we're all at the same level male or female amen when it comes to Christ so he had to show him this and give him some proof of it as well because Peter watch this Peter you're the leader if the leader ain't right think about the rest of, of the church if the head ain't right you know the tail messed up so we see his freedom in Christ is a grace thing. Watch this. Then we see his fear of his contemporary is a race thing. Let's go to the next one there. His fear of his contemporary called a race thing. You know what this is called? This is really called peer pressure. Notice what it says. But when they arrived, talking about the Jews, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentile because he was what? Afraid. I call that the fear factor. Of those who belong to the circumcision group. Peer pressure. Watch this. The true motivation behind Peter's defection, he was afraid of, watch this. I'm getting ready to read somebody's mail. He was afraid of losing popularity. And I see too many wishy-washy Christians, and especially those who you want to be leaders. You want everybody to be your little friend. And you want to be in the little circle. And you want to be in the little club. And you'll sacrifice your conviction and what you know is right so you can fit in with your little club and your little clique and stuff. 
And God is watching you and God is measuring you and saying you are not ready for the next level of promotion in the kingdom of God because you're more concerned about your peers than you are the prince of peace. Why would I give you authority, position, and power when I know you're compromised for people? And at some point in your life, you got to get to a place either I'm going to live for God or I'm going to live for other people. That's it. And anybody in your life who has a problem with you living for God first and foremost don't need to be in your life. It's called blessed subtraction. I don't want anybody or anything in my life that they're going to take me away from my passion and my commitment and my, my, my determination to serve God. I don't need that in my life. That's a distraction that's been assigned to your life by the devil in hell to derail your assignment. You better hear what I'm saying today because I'm preaching. There are some people in your life, there's some stuff in your life, the best thing you can do is to let it go. Jesus said, if your right hand offends you, cut it off. He said, it's better to go into heaven with one hand than go to hell with two. You better hear what I'm saying. Some of y'all involved in stuff that's distracting you, keeping you away from church, keeping you out of the Bible, keeping you from living holy, and you won't let it go because it's a pet skunk and it stinks. Mm. He was afraid of losing popularity with the legalistic, Judaizing segment of the people in the church. Even watch this. Even though they were self-righteous hypocrites promoting false doctrine. Peter was more concerned about keeping his Jewish friends happy than making sure that the kingdom of God was still open and accessible to everybody. Paul, Peter was wrong for yielding to the pressure of the circumcision party, the Judaizers, who said that you got to be circumcised and you got to practice Judaism before you can be a good Christian. And they had settled that during the Jerusalem Council by saying it is not required that a Gentile act like a Jew, talk like a Jew, walk like a Jew, and practice Judaism in order to get into the kingdom. That is not necessary. Watch this. Watch this. Both Gentiles and their food were considered unclean. The fellowship with Gentiles over a meal then would make Jews spiritually unclean before God. Previously, when God showed Peter a vision of various unclean animals and commanded him to eat, God wasn't merely teaching Peter that he could eat any kind of food. He was assuring him that he could eat with any kind of person. See, God, God is not really concerned about your diet. Eating chitlins won't send you to hell. may give you a stomachache, but it won't send you to hell. Watch this. Watch this. All are equal before God. That's why Peter, watch this, that's why Peter regularly ate with the Gentiles. Because God had broken down the racial barrier between the Jews and the Gentiles. Think about this. Peter get this vision that no food is unclean now. Because remember now in the Old Testament certain things they couldn't eat. But all of a sudden Peter saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. He done preached the gospel to Cornelius and his household, and they done got saved, and they speaking in an unknown tongue. Peter said, this is the bomb.com. Watch this. And then all of a sudden, he's fellowshipping with the Gentiles. And Peter said, I'm liking this. I like these ribs. I like these pork chops. I like bacon. I like sausages. Come on, somebody. I like neck bones. I like ham hocks. Come on, somebody. Pig feet. Come on, somebody. Sauce me. Y'all acting like I don't know what you're talking about. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Y'all listen up. They couldn't eat shrimp in the Old Testament. No. 
scallops, lobster. Somebody said the lobster is the cockroach of the sea. It's a scavenger. But you order it because it's at the top of the menu and put it in butter and you eat that scavenger. Come on, somebody. Praise the Lord. We in the New Testament. We can eat lobster, shrimps, ribs. Come on, somebody. Sausages. Come on, somebody. Pig feet. We can eat it all now in Jesus' name. Watch this. Watch this. Peter, watch this. What do you know or not? They couldn't eat catfish. Catfish was forbidden in the Old Testament. If we were living in the Old Testament, a lot of us go to hell right now. Come on, somebody. Because give us our fried catfish. Come on, somebody. Put it in a little batter, deep fried with some french fries and some coleslaw and some hush puppies. Come on, somebody. And some sweet tea and a little peach cobbler on the side. Come on, somebody. And a little tartar sauce. So Peter was enjoying himself. Man, he was eating, high-fiving, passed me some more pork chops, and all of a sudden the Jews show up. Man. <laughs> it's kind of like going from eating what you want to to a Daniel fast. Man, Pastor Lewis called another Daniel fast. Man. Every time I turn around, he's calling a Daniel fast. Don't you know when people get tired of lettuce and tomatoes and stuff. We want some real food. Let them fast by themselves. No, I ain't going on no fast. I know y'all be telling each other that. No, I ain't going on no Daniel fast this time. Shoot, we just came off a of Daniel fast. That's ridiculous. It doesn't take all that to go to heaven. Come on, I know y'all be saying it. I'm like, who fast? My, my three hands go up. Everybody like, mm. <laughs> Okay, okay, come, y'all come back. All right, so, so come on. Okay, now, I got to hear up. Confusion. So we see the confusion because of Peter action. Confusion, okay. Uh, we, 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 okay, we passed that confusion, the clarification. There we go. Thank you. All right, so we see the confusion, and then we see the membership hypocrisy. So those who are Jews, guess what? When Peter started tripping, and he's the leader, guess what? The members start tripping because he's the leader. And then we see the leadership hypocrisy because not only did Peter start tripping, even Barnabas. Barnabas knew better too, but he's following the leader. Let me help you. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ, which means that when I stop following Christ, you stop following me. See, the people that died with Jim John would not have died when he stopped following Christ. I wouldn't be going to no Guyana, especially as a black person. Come on, somebody. You're going to take me to Guyana? I don't even know what that is. How you spell that? Where is that located? Ain't going to give me some Kool-Aid? I don't think so. Come on, somebody. When, he been t- when they started telling me how often I can have sex with my wife, I'd have been like, Come on, son. Listen, did anybody read the story? That's what he was telling them. He was telling them when they can have sex with people and all this kind of crazy stuff, sell your house and stuff. If someone come telling me to sell my house and give up my stuff and turn it over to them, I'd be like, I, I, no, I don't roll like that. All right, so the hypocrisy, the word hypocrisy here is derived from the Greek meaning play acting or pretending, okay? It was associated with acting on the stage. It literally means a reply, okay? So eventually it was extended the etymology of the word meaning acting insincerely or pretense, okay? And it's usually translated hypocrisy. All right, so here's the clarification. Come on. Clarification. So we see the rebuke, okay? Peter, uh, Paul said, okay, we need some confrontation here. We got to fix this. Now watch this. When stuff happens in public, you have to deal with it in public. This happened in public, and everybody was watching, 
So, so Paul said, we're not going to have no private meeting to fix this because you did this in public in front of everybody. So I need to check you and correct you in public in front of everybody so we won't mess up the gospel message because it's Jesus Christ plus nothing. You don't add nothing to the gospel. That's all you need to be saved, Jesus Christ plus nothing. That's how we get saved. When he died on the cross, he said, it is finished. You don't get saved and make payments. Jesus paid it what? All. All to him I owe. Are you with me? So Paul said, we're going to fix this right now. We go from confrontation to confusion to clarification. So he rebuked Peter, the head disciple, the big head honcho. You're wrong. When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter in front of them all, you are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? We who are Jews by birth are not Gentile sinners. In other words, what Peter was saying, I mean what Paul was saying to Peter, get your theology straight. We are Jews, and we were born into the Jewish religion, Judaism, and we practice the Jewish customs, okay? And we came to Christ not because we kept the law. We came to Christ because Jesus died on the cross because we couldn't keep the law. He came to fulfill the law. The law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Now watch this. And he was saying that, listen, it is not necessary for them to become Jews or practice Judaism in order to become Christian. So he said, get your theology straight. Now we are Jews. We were born into privilege. We had Moses, we had David, we had Abraham, we had the Old Testament, we have the, you know, the law, we have the history books, we have the prophets, we have the major prophets, the minor prophets, we have the poetry, we like the book of Psalms and Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, Psalms of Solomon. We have all this rich revelation. Gentiles didn't have that. They are sinners by nature. They came here in the dark, and they are still in the dark. But we were born into a covenant family, a covenant nation. Amen. So we're on a whole different page. So don't try to take them through what we've been through and make them Jews before they become Christians. Now, let me help you with some stuff. So you have to be careful that you separate your upbringing from biblical theology. Now, some of y'all remember the day and time when you had to have the communion table in front of the pulpit. And I heard a pastor here locally say that some of these churches have gotten so modern that they have removed the communion table. As if removing the communion table and we have a service without the communion table here somehow makes us unholy. That's a custom thing. You don't read nowhere in the Bible where it says that the communion table got to be in front of the pulpit. Now, if you're from the deep south, they had a cover over the communion table and then they had the elements and then they put a covering over the elements. Anybody remember that? Now, they put the covering over the elements because in the olden days, they had flies flying around. You seen a fly up in here lately? <laughs> See Jack Rump, big red ball. Come on, somebody. And how many of you know that you could get killed in the old church by touching the communion table? It was like they touching the art of the covenant. You touch that communion table, I knock you out. Come on, somebody. Anybody know what I'm talking about? In the old church, you couldn't walk in the pulpit. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You couldn't walk in the pulpit. That's holy ground. Don't you walk in this pulpit. Anybody remember that? And some of y'all, y'all are so ingrained with that. When we give you the microphone to come up here to do prayer, you think, Lord, I hope you don't kill me. <laughs> come on. 
Y'all, y'all know what I'm talking about. So, so I'm just saying they had all these external rules that people had to abide by that was not biblical. That's what I'm saying. All right, let me wrap it up real quick. And then we see the reassurance here. He said, know that a man is not justified by observing the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by observing the law, because by observing the law, no one shall be justified. And the word justified is a legal term, which means declaring righteous in right standing with God because of our faith in the redemptive, finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. That makes us acceptable to God. Ephesians 2, 14 through 18 says this, for he himself is our peace, talking about Christ, who made the two, Gentiles and Jews, one. He had destroyed the barrier, the thing that divided us, okay? He destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Remember when he died, the curtain was split? By abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations, his purpose was to create in himself one new man out of two, thus making peace. And this is one body. We have one body, okay? This one body to be reconciled, both of them, to God through the cross, by which he had put to death their hostility. There was hostility between the Jews and the Gentiles, but the cross has resolved all that hostility. And he said, we came and preached peace to you who were far away, talking about Gentiles, and peace to those who are near, talking about the Jews. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Okay, put up the next slide, please. How many you know that oil and water doesn't mix because of the molecules? The oil would naturally float to the top, and the water would stay at the bottom. But if you take an egg yolk, the yolk of an egg, and mix it in there with the oil and the water, all of a sudden, those two things that were separated, they now come together as one. Wake up Isaiah there for a quick. Isaiah, wake up for a second, okay? Watch this. Listen. Not trying to put you on blast. I need you to wake up because I need to do an illustration with you. I uh, need you to, Emmanuel. Okay, now watch this. So you got oil and water. They are separated, but the, the yoke brings them together. Now, Isaiah and Emmanuel, come here. Come here. Isaiah, you stand on this side. This is my grandson, Isaiah. You stand on this side. Okay, and this is Emmanuel. Isaiah, that's a biblical name. Emmanuel, God with us. Biblical children. Listen. All right. <laughs> okay, okay. Now, when you put the egg yolk in there, put the, put the next slide up. We got Miracle Whip. They got those different ingredients, but they put the different ingredients in there because they can come together and make something awesome. Because to bring Gentiles and Jews together, I mean, that's something awesome. All right, now, Emmanuel, I want you to face that door over there. Look over there. Isaiah, I want you to face that door over there. Okay, so we got the Jews and the Gentiles. They are completely Separate, they don't have nothing to do with each other. They don't even like each other. They don't even look at each other, okay, because they're separate. Now, I want you both turn and look at me. Now, we think when people get saved, they're supposed to be looking at each other, and they're supposed to see everything eye to eye. You get rid of your culture, you get rid of your culture, you get rid of your uniqueness, you get rid of your background, all this other stuff. That's not true. We don't face each other eye to eye. Now, y'all look that way, okay? Now, they are both now saved. Grab my arms. Come put your yeah, like this. Okay. Now, they are still Jews and Gentiles, but what connects them is Christ in the middle. This makes the difference. And they don't have to see everything eye to eye, but because we're connected to Christ. Come on, move with me now. So wherever Christ goes, they go with me because we're believers now. We're walking in the spirit, and we can get along even though we used to be Jews and Gentiles or black and white and Baptists and Pentecostals. We're all nine together because Christ brought us both together. We are one in him. Thank you very much.
give the God some praise, somebody. Thank God that he has united us. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest name, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. Oh, Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other crown is sinking sand. Thank God we are one in Christ. Red, yellow, black, and white. We are all precious in his sight. Jesus prayed that we might be one. One. All right, come on. Let's go. To my left. To my left. To my left for special prayer. To my right. If you want to give your life to Christ. To my left. To my left. To my left. To my left if you need special prayer. To my right if you want to give your life to Christ. If you see something, say something. Paul saw something. Paul said, now we're not going to mess up the gospel message. And we're not going to mess up the body of Christ. Because there's room at the cross for everybody. You don't have to act like me. You don't have to talk like me. You don't have to walk like me. You don't have to dress like me. Come on, somebody. You don't even have to worship like me. Because we're all one in Christ. Christ is the common denominator that brings us together. That unites us. So you need special prayer. To my left. Come quickly to my left. To my right, if you want to unite with this church family, give your life to Christ, you can come to my right. You can come to my right. If you see something, say something. And just not say something, do something. Make a difference in this world. Be a world changer. To my left, if you need special prayer. To my left. I dare not try. To my right, if you want to give your life to Christ and unite this church family, we are one. We are one. One Lord, one faith, one hope, one baptism, one spirit, one body in Christ. And that's why I said rise and stop. We're building a kingdom culture. Kingdom culture. All races, all ethnicities are welcome here. All backgrounds are welcome here. All denominations are welcome here. Because at the foot of the cross, we all stand at the same level. No big eyes, no little ears. We all saved by the blood of Jesus. When darkness You may be seated. His lovely face. I rest on him.
Hallelujah. 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 As we wrap things up, amen. Thank you so much for coming on today. Like I said, this is a special day as we conclude Black History Month. You know, and the thing about Black History Month, as Ace has said earlier, Black history is part of America's history because we are one nation under God. And I really pray for the people in the Ukraine. We really need to pray for them. We need to pray for Putin as well. Amen, somebody. We need to pray because we're on the verge of World War III, and we need to pray for peace. And that's why people need Jesus. He's the Prince of Peace. And listen, and once you become, listen to me, once you become a good biblical Christian, you realize that one race is no better than another race. You realize that we're all made in the image of God, that we're all special, we're all beautiful, we're all unique. And God made us that way because he loves variety. And that's why I tell people, don't be trying to act like somebody, be like somebody else. Come on, somebody. Love the skin that you're in. Come on, somebody. Love the features that you have. Love everything about you because God made you that way for a reason. He wants you to be unique. Don't be a cheap copy. Be a genuine original. Ain't nobody like you. Nobody has your heart rhythm. Nobody has your fingerprint. Nobody has your voice rhythm like you. Because God wants you to be different, unique, and special. I made you that way. Don't be trying to be like somebody else. Thank God for your own uniqueness. I made you that way. Throw your head up. Throw your shoulders back. Walk with some pride and dignity. That God made me this way. And I love the skin that I'm in. Come on, somebody. A lot of people get in bad relationships and stuff because they can't love themselves. How's somebody going to love you? You don't even like you. Amen, somebody. That's why the Bible said love God first. Then love your neighbor as yourself. All right, at this time we got a special presentation. So come on out with a special presentation. As you know, we are honoring our birthday queen, the first lady in my Thank you for tuning in to our podcast today. We pray this message has encouraged your heart and renewed your spirit. If this message has been a blessing to you, please share it with everyone you know. If you would like to help support the ministry, spread the gospel, and assist in funding community service projects at Rising Star, visit our website at www.risingstarbaptist.com.